0: Jump into the world of Wild Krats at Philadelphia's Please Touch Museum. Explore the world of this PBS Kids series in the Wild Krats Creature Power Museum exhibit, opening May 31st. Discover animal habits from around the world as you swing through the trees like a spider monkey, sneak through the forest like a jaguar, hunt for lunch like a platypus, and much more in this adventurous new exhibit. Get tickets at pleasetouchmuseum.org. That's pleasetouchmuseum.org.
1: Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon East. Hey everyone, I'm Megan Kelly. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show. We are in a pivotal moment right now in the GOP presidential primary, with Iowa just days away. My God, what a difference a year makes. Last night on CNN, there was a debate between two of the last folks standing. Governor Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley, while the frontrunner took center stage at a town hall over on Fox News. So they were in competition with one another, and we'll see how that did in the comparative ratings. Former President Donald Trump making news on several fronts. We're going to get to that. I have to say he was very on. He was very together. You know, I've criticized him for moments out on that campaign trail where he seemed a little off. He keeps referring to President Obama, uh, President Biden as President Obama and other sort of snafus. But last night, sharp as a tack. Uh, Meantime, we say goodbye to Chris Christie. Farewell. Take care. Who dropped out last night, but not before a hot mic moment that added an extra layer of chaos to it all. We've got the perfect guests to discuss it all. Josh Holmes, Michael Duncan, John Ashbrook and the man known to his minions as Comfortably Smug. Together, they are the hosts of Ruthless, the program you must be listening to on YouTube.
2: Here's to the paper pushers, the rush hour warriors, and the gotta get awayers. Trade the daily grind for a place to unwind, where you can rise with the tide and roll down the boardwalk, where you can eat french fries for lunch and ice cream for dinner where your only commute is your walk to the beach, where every day feels like Saturday. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.
3: Guys,
1: welcome back.
2: Hey, how are you, Megan? Great to be back.
1: I'm good. I'm good. All right, so last night I watched some of the debate and I switched back and forth uh, to the Fox News town hall with Trump. I didn't even know there was a debate until my two co-moderators from the last debate Eliana and Elizabeth texted me saying, are you watching this? So I was like, oh, shit. I forgot there's a bit debate. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I, it was I found it kind of boring. I I'm I missed Vivek and Chris Christie. I, I did because they they stir things up, you know, it's like they kept it fiery. And uh, it was a, I was a little bored. And just watching the two of them nitpick and argue, they were kind of annoying. I just didn't like the way I felt. It was just like, eh, well, you back and forth, back and forth. This Santas uh, anyway, I, I didn't have a lot of tolerance for it. Then he showed over to Trump, and it was a very different experience. He was on. He, was, he brought his A-game. He was funny. He was magnanimous. He was sort of making fun where it was appropriate. And look, to be honest, Brett and Martha did not ask him a lot of tough questions. They had a couple. But so it was an easy forum for him to charm people. And the audience was full of Trump supporters and charm them. He did. So it part of it, you know, guys, to me was like underscored the intelligence of Trump's decision to skip all the debates where like the rest of the candidates will just be fighting with each other, about each other, and he will be above it all, being charming, dealing directly with the voters, not getting asked the toughest questions, and sailing his way to the nomination. So what did you guys think?
4: No, nah, look, I think your overall... Uh... Explanation of what it is that you're experienced as a viewer is probably what the vast majority of Americans experienced as viewers if they chose to view either of these things at all. Um right. both Haley and DeSantis obviously would love the contrast to be able to do a town hall on Fox while their opponents are tearing each other apart. Um, so you know, clearly former president trump had a huge advantage in terms of just what it all looked and felt like. I mean, he's talking about stuff he wants to talk about and doing it in a comfortable arena whereas, you know, these guys they they're in a blood sport battle at this point. But I do think, you know, the hype coming into it I, I I agree with you. It's almost like, oh, that's right. There was a debate tonight. I mean, all the other ones previously there was some build to and there was some anticipation for. And this one it didn't feel like. And I don't think it's just because the stage got smaller. It's that Boy, these arguments are
3: pretty well litigated at this point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, that's a, a good point is it feels like this primary has been going on for five years at this point. It does. Um, and, and I think everyone has basically, all the candidates have had their opportunity to basically shape themselves as I'm the candidate of this, I'm the candidate of this. And you saw that on display last night, the um, debate between Haley and DeSantis, where, you know, they're essentially, like you said, making the same argument over and over. Um, I just want, I tuned in specifically because I think it's a bit more unique of a situation than Trump has faced before, where going into Iowa, essentially it's Trump and two people fighting to go one-on-one with him. Mm-hmm. In 2016, there were still, what, like 40 people yeah. going into <laughs> Iowa? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same in New Hampshire. So, you know, if this field winnows even further then I think things really get interesting.
5: Well, yeah, I mean, that's that's the thing. I'm Smug, you're absolutely 100% right. The visual and the demonstration, if you're Nikki or you're Ron, yeah, you don't love that Trump got his yeah. solo town hall at the same time you were doing this. But who would have thought, like, before Iowa, we basically have the consensus beat. It's it's one of these two people, yep, yeah. right, who are going to go mano a mano with Donald Trump. So, I mean... You got to feel good that it's working out that way if you're in either of those two camps, because we're going to get some votes here really soon. And there's going to be some like actual truth to who that candidate is going to be. No question.
6: Yeah. But as a spectator, I i mean, I think all of us would be lying if we said we weren't disappointed that Donald Trump's not participating in these debates. I mean, he is very good. We all saw that play out in Technicolor in 2015. But you have heard it, Megan. we've heard this over and over from the Trump team. Susie Wiles and Chris Lasavita, they say we're running to win an election, not to entertain people. Mm. And that sort of discipline is something that is not entirely new. It's, it's a little bit new in the Trump campaign. And so and it's probably one of the secrets to their success this time around.
1: Yes. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So Chris Christie was not on the stage uh, because he announced yesterday at five that he's dropping out. Here's a little bit of how that sounded in SOT2.
7: And it's clear to me tonight that there isn't a path for me to win the nomination, which is why I'm suspending my campaign tonight for president of the United States, because I wanna promise you this, I am gonna make sure that in no way do I enable Donald Trump ever be president of the United States again. And that's more important than my own personal ambition.
1: So what's mm-hmm. that about? I mean, first of all, Chris Christie was desperate to have a job with Trump and was very much in team, team Trump's camp, uh, until Trump kind of turned on him. So I, I, I like Chris Christie. I still think he's a good man. And I just, you know, his moral sanctimony for me is a little bit much because he was begging to work for Trump. If you don't think he would have taken the position as AG in the Trump administration, you haven't been paying attention. But Jared Kushner can't stand him because he put Jared Kushner's dad in prison when he was AG of New Jersey. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> they all find sanctimony in the end. So um, he bails. And why did he bail? Because of New Hampshire? Because how tight it is between Nikki and Trump and the thought that if, if his 10 to 12 percent in New Hampshire goes to Nikki— she could actually take Trump out?
4: Well, look, look, I give Christie a lot of credit here because before this campaign started, he came on Ruthless a couple of times. We had an opportunity to talk to him on and off air about why he would consider running for president, knowing sort of the ideological makeup of the electorate, knowing it would be a tough uh, road to hoe for him. And what he said was, I, I don't think anybody's gonna draw the necessary contrast with this president in a primary. And I think that's my role. And he said almost word for word what he said last night, that he doesn't want to enable another president, another president Trump. So at the end of it, clearly that's where his campaign was in taking the 10 to 12% in New Hampshire in particular. His demographic of voters are people who would vote for almost anybody, I think, other than former president Trump. So where they scatter, I don't know. And I know he's had some things to say about that too. But if there is a legitimately close race, which there appears to be now eight, nine polls in New Hampshire showing a single digit race between Nikki Haley and the former president, and he's taken 10, 12% off the top of that, he would be enabling a former President Trump if he didn't step aside, which I think, look, it's logical. You know, ego gets in the way of candidates that are running for president all the time, but it really didn't here for Chris Christie. And and for that, I give him credit for getting in and getting out in the exact same terms. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, perfectly. Okay, so. But
1: j- before before you start to feel all warm and fuzzy about Chris Christie and his like, ho- yeah. his la- he's helping lay the path for Nikki Haley to overcome big, bad Trump. Listen to the leaked audio. <laughs> is, yeah. The hot mic moment where he was discussing, I guess this was right before he made his announcement and he got caught on a mic talking to reporters about what he was about to do and how he saw the landscape. And here's that and sought one.
7: Yeah, I mean look, she spent 68 million so far. She's on TV. Spent 68 million so far. 59 million by DeSantis and we spent 12. I mean, who's punching above their weight and who's getting a return on their investment, you know? And she's going to get smoked and you and I both know it. She's not up to this. She
2: hasn't even She's still 20 points behind Trump in
7: New Hampshire, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. And he's going to he's still going to carry out, right? Yes. Oh, he's, I t- you know, I talked to DeS- DeSantis called me
2: petrified I
1: that I, I, I he's would he's probably getting out of to Iowa well, and you're like get, get,
8: keep going get that what happened to the feed <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, right what did you say I, I,
1: I,
5: I have to assume that the rest of that sentence is petrified that I was going to endorse Nikki yeah, you know I and have. that yeah and uh-huh. then three percent he still has in Iowa would likely migrate towards her and then he might be in a position where he comes in third in Iowa. And that's a real tough look for a guy who's invested so much in this state. But, you know, I like Chris, too. But the idea that Nikki's going to get smoked by Trump and she's trailing him, she spent all this money. Well, yeah, I mean, she's been running a campaign in multiple states. Like Chris has been essentially running a one state primary in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and he did a good job. You know, I mean, like he, he had... um the polling in the state to get him on the debate stage numerous times he made the argument he wanted to make but yeah i, I mean yeah maybe maybe nikki will lose to trump maybe she has a 10 percent chance well i mean chris doesn't have a 10 percent chance right. like at the end of the day that's the truth i don't know if you saw this president trump actually reacted
6: to this at his town <laughs> hall last night and he was like i'm starting to like chris a lot more <laughs> we have that <laughs> Yeah.
1: We do. We have that. And He he was speculating about his uh, vice president. They were asking about his vice presidential uh, choice. And I think it's in that soundbite. Let's listen. Who would be in the running for a vice president?
9: Well, I can't tell you that, really. I mean, I know who it's going to you be. Can give us a hint. I'll give you. We'll do another show sometime. Well, What about any of the people who you've run against? Would you be open to mending fences with oh, any sure, of them? I will. I will. I've already started like Christie better. Uh, <laughs> <you know. laughs>
2: No. Christy, no, Christy for vice president.
9: I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it. That would be an upset. Christy for vice president. Ladies you know, and know. gentlemen, I'd like to announce. No. I <laughs> Very quick. No. Very quick. So I, I have a theory.
3: I think Chris intentionally had the hot mic on. Oh. My thinking oh. is, I mean, he's a pro. He knows what he's doing. And he wanted that to happen. I think he wanted to leave. On his own terms, like, yes, the, you know, official announcement, he'll take the high road, he'll be the statesman, but he wanted to go out on his own terms. And I think he knew that Mike was on. Yeah. Interesting.
4: I mean, could be the one thing you get with Chris is he tells you exactly what's on his mind at all times. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's the beauty of, or you love it or you hate it about Chris Christie is you just well, ask me. Do you think he'll, he's going to come
1: out today and say publicly she's going to get smoked? She's not up to this. I don't think
4: I, so. I bet if he was in front of a microphone, he would he would have some variation over it. But but look, he's not going, Chris will go away. So I don't think he wants to be the guy who's mediating the 10, 12% of his own electorate. I could be wrong about that. But it seems like if you listen to what he said up to this moment, what he said is it's it's insulting to suggest that my voters would just automatically migrate to one candidate or another. I think he believes that. Yeah, I mean, you can. But do we believe
1: don't. that? Don't we all know that they're going to Nikki Haley for the most part? Like, they're going I mean, to Nikki. most of his voters are Democrats and independents because they can vote in New Hampshire's primary on the GOP side They're It's not Republicans. He's it, it's if it is, it's never Trumpers. And she's the candidate of choice of, you know, the less conservative voters like you see in New Hampshire, you know, like who would be supporting him.
5: Yeah, it's also possible they just stay home, though right? If they're not supporting Chris, they might, ju- they might just stay home. It's possible that they support Nikki Haley and that's enough to sort of get her over mm-hmm. the top on, on Trump in New Hampshire. But like sort of back to the the Trump clip, what I love about that clip is it's a couple of things. Number one, Donald Trump is the master of publicity and understanding when he has something people want, you know? And I love that he he in that clip is like, well, I'll come back and do another event when I haven't an Like I'm not gonna <laughs> give, I'm, not, I'm not gonna give it away to you for free. You know, like that's not how right. he
2: that's ever exactly. operated his entire
5: life. Um, and then what I also love about it is the charm and the humor of the yeah. Christie thing. I love oh kind of liking Christie, now. <laughs> you know? know, and he that's he the he weaves that about stuff Trump. together.
1: That's the thing. Like, and I tweeted this out last night. I I was watching Nikki and Ron and you're like, OK, you know, they're fighting policy. Mostly it was just kind of a lot of catfighting, I have to say. It was kind of a, it was a turnoff, as I said. But on some things, you're like, OK, they're they're making some progress. They're point counterpoint. They're fighting for it. I get it. Last two standing. And they're like, who knows? We could do it. And then you turn over to Fox. You're like, it's done. It's done. Look at
8: this guy. <laughs> and I'm not
1: saying it's necessarily the right thing to, for the Republican Party or the country um, I, I, But it's just it's done. Look at Trump. He's just whatever you think of the man, you can't deny. He's like a walking ball of charisma. You know, it yeah, doesn't that just funny. It, it
5: just sort of it sort of just reflects where the Republican primary electorate is right now. They want to be entertained. The The substance is a secondary or tertiary requirement for for who they want to be the nominee. I mean, that's just a fact Like like yeah. Donald Trump in that in that town hall said. Ron DeSantis was the biggest fan of Anthony Fauci, which is oh, wait, just we like we have
1: that. We have that. Let's talk about that because that that is the other thing with Trump. If you stay tuned long enough, if you really listen to what he's saying, you're like, well, that's not true. Well, wait, that's <laughs> yeah. not true. Well, that that also is not true. And this is one of the examples of that.
9: I own a small business, and time is money. Would you ever allow a shutdown in the future? No, I wouldn't. And I never did. I let the governors make their decisions. Florida did shut down. Run to Sanctus shut down. He shut his state down very violently, actually, and shut the highways down, the roads down. I'm a federalist, in a sense, because that's the federalist way. No, I didn't actually have a shutdown, despite the fact that some people wanted to and some people didn't want to. But if you go back and look at the records, you will see that the biggest fan of Dr. Fauci was Ron DeSanctimonious. He was a big fan. He said, I go by exactly, quote, I go by what Dr. Fauci said. He said that two months in all the way through and then eventually changed when it wasn't, you know, that wasn't the dessert of the day. Dr. Fauci uh, was not a huge factor in my administration. Go
3: ahead, Duncan. I, I love seeing that so much. Why? Why? Because he's just not telling the truth. Because it's funny. <laughs> because it's fun. I love that. Like, th- <laughs> I think that entertainment value is so critical. It's like the spoonful of medicine or the spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. And Trump has that in spades. Like he can. But lull there, you but the there, but smug. Where-
1: are you positing that there he's trying to entertain us? Because there, I think he's trying to lie. I mean, when he says
3: he's not the dessert of the day, like all this is just hilariousness. <laughs> I mean, look, he's very funny, no question about it. But it's no, very
4: funny. Okay, but like, look, and I'm quick
1: to say Trump's funny when he's funny. But that was a lie. Like Trump, not
8: true. That, right.
1: It's. I'll just a give you. I'll lie. give you one compilation um, that we pulled from the, right around the time it was March of 2020 clips at, when he did. He absolutely ordered 15 days to slow the spread. That was him. Here's an example.
9: We did the right thing. We closed the country down. Could have kept it open. And I could have done what some countries are doing. I had to shut it down. We did the right thing. I thought of keeping it open. And we did just the right thing. We closed it down. And a group of very smart people walk in and say, sir, we have to close it. And we did the right thing. They can't do anything without the approval of the president of the United States. Even the Democrats aren't blaming me for that. We had to close it up. Some people wish we never closed it down. We did the right thing. We closed it. It's a decision for the president of the United States. We did the right thing. We had to close it up because nobody's ever heard of closing down a country, let alone the United States of America.
8: <laughs> well, I, I,
9: I, I, that,
1: was, I, that was put together by a DeSantis fan, but it's, those are all legit clips. And he, and he did close. He did. And, and he's, he's right that he said, it's up to you, governors, um, after the, you know, the 15 days to slow. But then he was like, OK, it's up to the governors. But it was under enormous pressure from the White House to close, 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 threatened. If you didn't close Fauci, he did cede to Fauci, who was leaning on all these governors. Trump leaned personally on these governors. Governor Brian Kemp of Florida, I mean, sorry, of of Georgia came out and said he he tried to strong arm me into closing. So Trump could be like, I left it up to the governors. OK, but you were on the side of closure. Go ahead, guys.
6: Well, I I mean, nobody remembers that better than President Trump. And nobody knows the stakes in a presidential race better than him because he knows that it's on his opponents to prosecute that case, to remind people of what he said. And he's not just going to sit there and let them say over and over and over again without responding. He takes something where there's a kernel of truth. It actually is true that Governor DeSantis said that Fauci was doing a good job once. Is that is that the body of evidence on DeSantis? No way. He's he was famous because he pushed back against the mandates. But he actually said it once. And where Trump is so effective is that he is on offense all the time. He takes one little fact and he drives it and drives it and drives it in a more entertaining and memorable and forceful way than any of his opponents. And guess what? That's how you win elections. That's I mean, I think well, as just for- you're right.
1: And just like the thing, like I left it up to the governors. It's like, OK, you left it up to the governors the same way the mob boss leaves it up to the shopkeeper, whether he's going to pay the fifty dollars in protection. Go ahead, Smug. <laughs>
3: Yeah, I mean, well, I think Africa completely nailed it is Trump knows what could be, uh, you know, a problem for him to deal with where he is vulnerable. And so he goes on the offense ahead of time. And I, I think this is another example of whether you can have charisma or facts on your side. You want charisma because you can prosecute the case. You can get people's attention. You can get them listening to you. And then you can lull them with whatever message you want, as opposed to if someone's there just like fact check, you know. Uh, I, I actually didn't want to shut down. The, no one's going to pay attention to that person. They're going to pay attention to someone that's who they true. think is like a friend. No, it, who they're having it's a good true. time
4: with. It's a sad indictment of where we are as a as a country. Yeah, that's right. not exactly a good thing. No, I mean it's, it's really. Yeah. Are boring. We don't want, them. but but it, it's also Megan. Look, the other side of this coin is there are at least half of the Republican primary electorate that what you just showed is exactly why they're uncomfortable. With President Trump. I mean, you're talking about a former president running for the nomination of his own party, and we're still in a process where this is not become just a coronation. Now, granted, he's got a big lead and, and all likelihood will be the nominee, but he's under 50 in all of these states. And we'll see what happens in Iowa. We'll see what happens in New Hampshire and South Carolina and beyond. But he hasn't locked this thing down by any stretch of the imagination. That's because there still is a very large voting block in the Republican primary electorate that wants things like facts, mm-hmm. that is very concerned about the direction of our country and is concerned that President Trump is someone who's more interested in entertaining them than they are in actually pursuing the policies that might make life a little better. Now, what Trump has going for him is the policy, the policies he implemented as president were pretty damn good. Yeah.
8: Mm-hmm.
4: And and people do remember that. But I I think, look, he hasn't closed the deal because of exactly what it is that you just showed with those clips. Yeah. And the other Mm -hmm. thing he has going
6: for him, if you watched the Fox town hall last night, person after person, Cheryl from Ames. Oh, Mr. President, I can't wait to vote for you for the third time. You know what I mean? It was like that was the sort of stagecraft that Donald Trump does better than almost anybody else. While the other two are arguing amongst themselves over policy, made very good points. We're very persuasive, both of them. I thought very, both of them were very persuasive. But when you switch over to Fox yeah. and you watch person after person in Iowa get up and talk about how Trump did things and that's why they like him. I mean, that's that's his message. I'm not sure. well, There was and one that
1: was Ashbrook. You know what that was? That was the Fox News surrender to Trump. That's what we watched mm-hmm. last night because they, they are not on Team Trump. They've been very anti-Trump for a long, long time. Uh, they've been pro DeSantis. Then they switched to pro Nikki. Uh, And they've been very anti Vivek, and they've been very anti-Trump. But Trump, like he did in 16, has wrested this nomination from the Republican Party, notwithstanding Fox's objection. And last night, Fox made a decision, it was clear to me, to get back in his good graces. And I thought Brett and Martha did a fine job. Don't get me wrong. They did ask a couple of challenging questions. But they are capable of asking much tougher questions. And more than that... It was the questions that were selected from the audience and the people who were selected to ask the questions. Every the moder- Make no mistake about it. The moderators know exactly who's coming up. All those things are pre-selected. You know exactly who they're voting for and who they're not. You try in a perfect town hall to have balance. You know, I'm a DeSantis person. I'm a Haley person. I'm a Christie, whatever. I'm sad today because he left. I'm a Trump person. They were the vast majority were Trumpers and loving Trumpers. And there's probably some sort of a wink and a nod agreement with Team Trump to do that just to get him to do the town hall because he knows Fox has been unfair to him. So last night they bent the knee. I think Rupert, what it told me is Rupert has realized it's done. Trump's winning and it's time to get on board Team Trump. That happened with Rupert when Trump was running for the nomination 16. I can tell you that personally, where he didn't want him and he made a decision. It's time to turn. He's, he's got, it's, it's his. And the the election's too important to have her win. And here we are. I I mean, I could see it with my own eyes. They've made the decision. So anyway, keep going. I think your instincts are right. What you were seeing was right. And that's why he looks so good by their design.
5: And and I largely agree with you, Megan. I think there are a couple instances in in which Trump was forced a little bit outside of his comfort zone where he had to clarify some statements he has made on DeSantis or Nikki or whatever. The one in particular that I think stood out was the question um, on pro-life from the woman who asked uh, Trump, you know, basically to clarify his position on life and, you know, had voted for for Trump twice and, you know, said, you know, we we were glad that you ended, Roe. Um, but, you know, Trump yeah, has... That.
1: Actually, sorry, Duncan, to keep interrupting yeah. you. Let me play that and then pick up your thoughts, thought ten.
5: Sure.
0: I'd like for you to reassure me that you can protect all life, every person's right to life without compromise.
9: So that's a great question. I appreciate it, too. You wouldn't be asking that question, even talking about the issue, because for 54 years they were trying to get Roe v. Wade terminated, and I did it, and I'm proud to have done it. We did it, and we did something that was a miracle. I happen to be, uh, for the exceptions, uh, like Ronald Reagan, with the life of the mother, uh, rape, incest, I have, I just have to be there. You have to win elections, otherwise you're going to be back where you were. And you can't let that ever happen again. You've got to win elections. This aunt is, I don't know what he really believes, because, you know, you never know with a politician. And He's doing very, very poorly. It happened to coincide with that, because a lot of people say a lot of, you know, if you talk five or six weeks, a lot of women don't know if they're pregnant in five or six weeks. We're going to come up with something that people want and people like. Fifty-four years they campaigned on that issue and nobody pulled it off but me. So I think you're going to be happy in the end.
1: <laughs> By the way, just quick, quick classic Trump. We're gonna come up with something people that something that people like and they want. You're gonna be very happy. <laughs> Go ahead. Duncan.
5: Yeah. So good. No, it, it, it's exactly right. Like he always his negotiating tactic whenever he's trying to sell something is he just leaves the door open to everything, you know. And so in the voters' mind, they can sort of fill it in with exactly what they want, mm-hmm. and then that you know through through osmosis, it also in their mind becomes the position of Donald Trump. So so Donald Trump wants what I want, you know?
9: Yeah.
5: Um, I would say like, look, in a Republican primary, it's not great to sort of compromise on the issue of life and talk about how you have to win elections. If anybody else did that who wasn't Donald Trump, there are a lot of people in the MAGA movement who would call them a rhino immediately, immediately. (laughs) But Donald Trump just gets a pass on that thing. He called heartbeat bills terrible. Um. But like, look, there is some truth to what he's saying. If you just look at the poll numbers, right? I mean, his his position, I think, on the issue does uh, put him in a better place with the general election audience. It's just Donald Trump gets to operate by a different set of rules when it comes to triangulation or nuance and that sort of thing. Well, you know? he's, that's,
1: I think this he, is another smart thing about him, Smug, because he's playing already to the general electorate. These other two on CNN last night are playing still to the Republican base and, maybe can't have the same kind of wider appealing message.
3: Yeah, I mean, to reiterate on Duncan's point of how like Trump's the only person who can get away with this, I thought it was endlessly fascinating. I think last week that poll came out um, asking voters who they thought was most uh, a person of faith uh, who believed in God. And Trump was like 30 points ahead of Mitt Romney. More people yeah, than Trump was yeah Man was Yeah. it was just the most astonishing and amazing <laughs> thing and again it just speaks to the charisma and the ability to like bend reality to his will and and that's just i mean if again if i could have the power of charisma or the power of you know facts on my side i would choose charisma every single day because you get things like that
1: <laughs> you do get sucked in You know, like Scott Adams came on the show. It's (laughs) a garbage political
9: moment. It's Scott Adams was so interesting. You know,
1: he he took hypnotism lessons, and he's one of the people who said Trump would win very early on in '15. And um, he could see Trump's power of persuasions. He could see he's got the thing that you learn in hypnotism, like how to get the brain. And last night I was listening, and he's like, "We have the best economy. We had no inflation. We had no wars. The border was secure. We were energy independent." I was like. Yeah. yeah, And like, I, this is what makes you I and mean, he's not wrong yeah. about a lot yeah. of those things, you know, but you kind of forget about, well, why did anybody have any problem with Trump? He's right about all that stuff and Iran and NATO and F&A. And like, yeah. he just he does kind of take you away, you know, like Calgon. He takes you away. It's
3: really and amazing.
1: Without anybody up there to sort of remind you that there's some other problems that may be looming. It's a, yeah. it's almost a dangerous but enjoyable dance.
5: It, it is. What One other thing I would say about Nikki and Ron's debate, though, is I feel like they clarified some of those other looming challenges um, in a very direct way um, that they alluded to previously and do on the stump occasionally. But, I mean, DeSantis had a, a moment when he was talking about Trump, you know, fighting this immunity claim in the D.C. Uh, appeals court. Um, talking about like all the distractions and stuff on the legal side that Donald Trump's going to face that, that, you know, of course, when Donald Trump was president, we had a better economy and did a better job than Joe Biden has done as president. But I think what DeSantis is sort of alluding to there is like, that's not going to be the argument of this election. Like what's going to happen is we're going to have a referendum election on the guy who's not president of the United States based on the fact that he's been indicted 91 times.
4: Yeah, this conversation changes very, very quickly. I, I mean, this is if a I luxury.
1: Were Trump, all I'd say, I'll, all I'd say in the entire election campaign against Joe Biden is, are you better off now than you were four years ago? Yeah. Are you better kinda. off now than you were for? You just keep saying that. It's It's such a unique situation where he was the president for four yeah. years from four years ago back. And this other guy he's running against has had the last four years. So it's like you can very easily determine which guy do I prefer? You've had both yeah. experience, a very rare experience for American voters.
6: Democrats actually wanted to defeat Donald Trump, they would have done something to shut down the border. They would have actually done something about inflation. They would have protected American energy independence. All the things that the lefties in this country are against, if they wanted to defeat Donald Trump, they would have governed like Donald Trump. They didn't do that. And so they've left the door
3: open. But I will say this. I think they recognize this is the one like major pitfall of of Trump as a candidate is of course, if he were to run and say, "Are you better off now than you were under my presidency?" Of course, he wins that argument, and it's an extremely convincing one. He's just not going to make it. There's going to be so <laughs> many. There's going to be so many instances where he starts. You know, the question could be, "Oh well, how was the economy under you?" "Oh well, the economy was great." But here's the thing: these judges against me—they're horrible <laughs> people, and the Supreme <laughs> Court <laughs> owes me. They better follow through on that. And like the question (laughs) is about the economy. Exactly. I'm sick of these judges. You know, like that's and I think Democrats recognize this, which is why they really, really wanted Trump to be the candidate and why they don't need to worry about. Okay, well, if we don't do something about the situation at the border, we're screwed. No, because they know that it's going to all become just like in the midterms. We're going to talk about January 6th. We're going to talk about 96 indictments. So that's the mm. biggest problem. Like, and there's, there's still a, it's an interesting,
1: interesting point because last night he was on fire. He was great. I gave him an A plus on his performance last night in part because he was not asked any of these questions. But, you mm-hmm. know, as soon as he goes over to that CNN again, remember that Caitlin Collins town hall? Exactly. That's all they want to talk about that. That's it. So they will be introducing the topics that are his triggers. You know, yep. <laughs> they'll love yeah. to spoon feed him those just like, you know, it's sort of like with the cow prod. Go ahead.
4: No, I mean, look, I think that's right. He's not going to have the luxury of making any kind of argument that he had last night in any real way, because his opposition has a say, too, Mm -hmm. and they are going to be well financed. And as we could tell from 2020, they're really good at getting out their vote to try to defeat who they think is a threat to the country, which is the case that they'll be making Mm -hmm. in technicolor for the next nine months. And so, yeah, like, I think this is a moment in time where we're all looking at like that town hall last night saying man he just like barrel the bat on everything. Well, it's also a very unique moment in time where there's still a constituency for two thirds of the things that he's talking about. Like that changes mm. post primary. Mm-hmm. That constituency is already baked into the cake and you have to go out and find out what gets you from 45 to 51. And those people are going to be very difficult for Donald Trump. I mean, we've seen six straight years of election data yep. that shows that there's a hard ceiling on a lot of that for a guy like Donald Trump that, you know, frankly, Nikki or, or Ron don't have. Mm-hmm.
3: And again-
1: Well, there's one, there's one advantage that he's got over, not Ron DeSantis, um, but he's got an advantage over Ron DeSantis, but Nikki Haley has the advantage over Trump and that's on abortion when we're talking about a general electorate, right? The general okay. electorate versus the GOP voters is more liberal- On the issue of abortion, you you guys last time you guys were on, we had a deep conversation about abortion and all that. But um, so it's it's good. It's smart of Trump to sound more moderate if he's trying to appeal to general election voters. However, I did think it was very interesting to listen to a clip. At least I don't watch Morning Joe, but I saw a clip of them having a meltdown over that abortion answer that we just played from the left. Keep in mind, Morning Joe is supposed to be he's supposed to be a Republican. They had a meltdown from the left. And I'll let you hear it for yourselves how they interpreted that remark we just heard.
10: He's grown so old and and, and hobbled intellectually, I guess, because he thinks he's running against Barack Obama. He's worried about World War II starting. He made an incredible political mistake and he knows it this morning. He knows it. Incredible political mistake last night going I was the one who terminated Roe v. Wade. I was the one that just me, nobody else, could have stripped away 50 years of women's rights the way I, Donald Trump, did. I terminated Roe v. Wade. And everybody in his campaign staff was like, oh, my God. So it's, they
1: think, but by the way, just to clarify, I mean, just so you know, you should not get your facts from Morning Joe, <laughs> because <laughs> President Trump has been saying this exact line since Dobbs was decided, since yeah. Roe was overturned, I'll just, I just have my team pull a couple, um, here he was on Newsmax. I'm the one who got rid of Roe versus Wade. And everyone said it would be impossible. Trump after the decision in 2022. The decisions only made possible because I delivered everything as promised. It was my great honor to do so. Trump in 2023. Without me, the pro-life movement would have just kept losing. Thank you, President Trump. That's him thinking himself. <laughs>
8: <Is that> <laughs> new?
4: <laughs> it is definitely not new. No, And I, I look, I think... What what Joe, I think, is alluding to is the fact that the vast majority of voters who this is a very important issue to never get beyond the I did X, but they already know that, right? Right. So, I mean, there is nobody that is going to be confused about Donald Trump's position on abortion. The question is in that later part of the segment when he was talking about, you know, is there an accommodation that you can come to that's reasonable, which is a conversation that, you know, like Ron DeSantis has not had. Nikki Haley does have and I think has demonstrated a very a good way for a lot of conservatives to talk about abortion. But Trump's trying to get into that lane. And yeah. he's got the credibility with the pro-life movement by first reminding everybody of the obvious that Roe v. Wade would still be there had we not had three Supreme Court justices change the dynamic of the court. Yeah. And
6: he seems to be aware of the politics of the issue, quite frankly. I mean, he watched the election cycle in 2020 uh, to the same as everybody else. And he knows that this is a very challenging issue for Republicans, which makes me wonder does he pick a VP who can help him on this issue specifically? I'm not saying he's going to take Nikki Haley, but I mean she wouldn't be
5: a bad choice.
1: That's interesting. Mm-hmm. I bet it'll be it's a just, woman. I, I it's just have weird a to me. It's be a woman.
5: It's weird to me. He can be so perceptive on a way to sort of triangulate for the general election on an issue that's as difficult as life and abortion, but then still talk about how 2020 was ripped every <laughs> single day, which he it's knows a mental is a obsession. loser. It's a
1: loser issue. Right. right? Like (laughs) that's Jack Smith's problem is he's in court trying to prove Trump knew it was a lie. And I think anybody other than hard partisan leftists know Trump didn't think so. Trump believed and believes to this moment. He's never lost anything like it's (laughs) It just, it didn't happen, didn't happen, didn't happen. As good as he is at hypnotizing the electorate, he's hes done it to himself first. That's who he is. So that's why he can't get off of it. So if I were a Democrat who wanted to see him go down, I would spend my interview being like, what do you make of January 6th? Did you get screwed? What happened? What happened in Michigan? Let's walk back through the Georgia vote and those 11,000. Didn't you, that get stolen? I'd tee it up just to make him say all the things that the middle hates. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, I know. I know his team realizes he shouldn't be talking about it. Uh, I don't think Brett and Martha wanted to talk about it. I did not raise that stuff when I talked to him. He's talked about it enough. But we are in for a year of leftist media asking him no about question. that very thing.
8: Yeah. Stand yep. by,
1: nope. Quick break. Much, much more. The guys are with us for the whole show, and there's plenty more to go
10: over.
11: If a friend asks how you're doing, and you say,
0: I'm okay.
10: When the truth is,
0: I don't want my problems to burden anyone. You can go to desantislies.com. Go to desantislies.com. Desantislies.com. What Go to desantislies.com. 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 She was asked lies. about it. It's, it's com. Go to desantislies.com. Yeah. Desantislies.com. DeSantis go to desantislies.com. You can go to desantislies.com. Where again? What?
1: I mean, I had heard that. A website repeated that much since DickMorris.com used to come on Fox News. (laughs) Wow. What did you guys make of that, her new line, her new attempt to disparage?
4: I think what she's trying to do is avoid being the one to litigate all of this in public herself all the time and and point people to a direction where they think they've got some material that points out the deficiencies of Ron DeSantis without her having to get in the the dogfight. But that happened anyway. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, right. look, it's, a ta- it's a tactic that we've used from a operative standpoint a lot is you, you have these microsites mm-hmm. that point out various aspects of your opponent's record. And if you can get people to land on the page, Uh, then you can educate some people on some stuff. Well,
5: yeah, because you don't want to spend all of your time in the debate reacting to the thing that, that the other person said and having to correct the record because then you're not getting your message out. So these microsites and stuff sort of become, um, you know, your way of, parrying away what they said and then getting to the point you want to make the problem is like it also becomes a crutch in and of itself where part of winning a debate is successfully parrying it away and then making the point all in the same mm-hmm. 30 seconds 90 seconds and I think DeSantis did a better job than I think they both had had good moments in the debate but I think DeSantis is better at at taking what, what Nikki is saying, making a point and then pivoting to when I was governor, I actually did the thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she, she yeah. kind of, it became a crutch where she was just sort of relying on this microsite to sort of move on, which I don't think is but a. There was
1: something point. annoying about it too. It was like, I heard it already. Yeah. It's starting to feel like you're a telemarketer. You know, yeah. I, I've had enough. I, I, what am I supposed to donate to you when I get there? For sure, you're going <laughs> to hit me up for money. There's a reason you keep saying it dozens of times. Credit to Breitbart for putting together that soundbite. Meanwhile, um, I think DeSantis overall, yes, I agree he did well. I'd have to give him the advantage as between the two of them and, and how it went over, how it made me feel. But he had some doozies in there, too, like this one in Sot Four.
6: You know, I debated the governor of California, Gavin Newsom. Um, you know, I thought he lied a lot. Uh, man, Nikki Haley may- gives him a run for his money, and she may even be more liberal than Gavin Newsom is. Nope. No.
1: No. She's stuck with
3: just lies no. as much.
1: No, I don't, she's Again, not more liberal thing. than Gavin Newsom. Is anyone more liberal than Gavin Newsom?
3: That's the thing. I bet Trump could convince people. Like, when he's, the- <laughs> when he's on a roll and you're, uh, like, lulled to it, you know i bet he could he could drop that and it'd be a lot smoother
5: desantis desantis, DeSantis, to DeSantis to just doesn't do rehearsed lines well it's that, not his it. style yeah. i wish his it team did to give them to him it doesn't work I completely no. agree but
1: you're, in, so when you're right do- duncan yep
5: he's he,
6: he's exactly right and when, when you're doing these debates you have to ask you you're basically making a choice in that are you talking to the audience of people who are sitting there and watching cnn for a solid hour to decide who it is they like better Or are you talking to an audience of people who are going to be looking at clips of the debate, watching things that are that are said afterwards? And you have you have to figure out how to address both of those audiences because they're equally as important. I would say on the Nikki Haley thing, if if there's one thing anybody remembered out of that debate, it's that she and her campaign are saying that DeSantis lies and maybe somebody goes to the website. They certainly weren't going to go to the website if she hadn't mentioned it 16,000 times. And maybe, <laughs> and maybe, maybe it makes her look awkward, but maybe that's a risk she's willing to run to get people to go to the
4: website. She also, look And we're talking about it. Thing, if this presidential thing doesn't work out for her, she could replace Billy Mays as a mm-hmm. right. uh, info telemarketing. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I think Eddie. Vivek has that market cornered.
5: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, by the way, Vivek is still in the race. Um, just in, in case yeah. Yeah, people were right. wondering, is still technically out there. Uh, she's obviously focused- on New Hampshire, uh, supremely focused on New Hampshire. We talked about the Chris Christie effect. I just want to give the audience the latest polling in New Hampshire. The thing that has team Haley and her, her supporters excited, uh, is there's a CNN poll that shows, uh, Trump only seven points up over Nikki in New Hampshire, Trump at 39, Nikki at 32, She has a 12-point jump since the last CNN poll, which was in November, and Christie in that poll had 12%. So 32 plus 12 is 44, and there's Trump at 39, leading people to think, okay, if Christie drops out, she's actually got a chance of not just coming in first in the undercard contest in New Hampshire. She could beat Trump, which could potentially stop his momentum. This is the hope of those who don't want Trump. But you look around and- There's a New Hampshire Republican poll out of um, WHDH-TV in Emerson. It gets an A- uh, rating. Uh, And uh, Trump is up 16. There's one from USA Today, Suffolk. It also has an A- minus rating, that poll, so it's a good one. Trump is up 20. And I've heard a lot of people say you cannot trust New Hampshire polling. I don't know why you cannot trust it, but I've heard a lot of people say that. Like, Be very careful about putting too much stock into these numbers out of New Hampshire. Look, if she doesn't, let's talk. Turkey. If DeSantis, because DeSantis right now might lose Iowa to Nikki Haley, too. He's definitely going to lose it. to Trump, I think it looks that way. And if he comes in third in Iowa, do you agree he's out? He's going to announce he's done after Iowa. Think, yeah. And if she I, I love- yeah, and then, all right, then we'll do her after.
4: Yeah. Well, look, I think it gets exceedingly very difficult. I mean, he's made it plain since the very beginning that they intend to play in Iowa as a primary strength of that campaign. And they've put a ton of resources into Iowa. If he's not in second in Iowa, I think it gets very, very difficult because it, look, you immediately pivot and go to New Hampshire and he's not even really playing there. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's a long period of time where you have underperformed expectations. It gets very difficult to fundraise. Your, your ability to stay on top of the news cycle wanes you know, people naturally want to go with a momentum candidate. So I do think it would be very difficult for DeSantis. And I think that, look, the most significant thing that can happen in this race is if Nikki Haley figures out how to get into second place in Iowa. Yep. Because if that happens, coupled with the Chris Christie departure in New Hampshire, and she's got a very real shot, it's not just those polls that you listed, Megan, there's a half dozen more that, you know, may not show her within the margin of error, but has huge momentum swing where she was down in the low, you know, 10, 11, 12, now up to the 30s in almost every other poll, regardless of where Trump and, is. And standing. right
1: when you want it, Holmes, right? Right when you she's gotten the momentum right when you want it.
4: Exactly when you want it. And so look, if she gets second there and then all of a sudden shocks the world and beats that sort of fait accompli that Trump has had since the beginning of this campaign, that he's eventually going to be the nominee, you're then going into her home state in a mano a mano. Mm -hmm. Like if they're looking for one way to make this actual race interesting, it would be that exact set of circumstances.
3: Yep. And I, I think also a lot of this discussion should be around the problems that the DeSantis campaign has had since launch where, I mean, they've had numerous people have left the super PAC and then the super PAC leaked details of what their plan was. And then the candidate has to come out and say, no, that's not our plan. Like, it's been very chaotic to where they've boxed themselves into a position where if they don't come in second place in Iowa, it's essentially a wrap because then they go into New Hampshire and they're expecting to get third at best. Then they're going to South Carolina, hoping to get third at best. Like, what is the case for staying in at that point? So they've cornered themselves into a very terrible situation.
5: Yeah, I think there's some evidence, though. And I mean, an Iowa, a caucus, a caucus system just overall tends to reward the most organized, most conservative candidate. We've, I mean, we've seen this numerous times. So it's always why like the Mm. Ron Paul people did so well in in contests like this. And I think that's an advantage to DeSantis. Um, I would also encourage people to read uh, the Associated Press's recent story, Steve Peoples had a great article from On the Ground in Iowa, and they pointed out a couple of things that are think, I think are interesting. 63% of likely first-time Republican caucus goers are saying Trump is their first choice. And mm-hmm. there's people in here that they talked to who said, I'm 100% behind Trump, but I'm only pretty sure I'm going to end up caucusing for him, mm-hmm. and it's going to be two degrees. Mm-hmm. And Nikki Haley's uh, mm-hmm. coalition is a lot of independent voters and Democrats. Who aren't diehard Republicans and maybe they decide to stay home on that day. Mm-hmm. So I think like some of those mechanics might actually benefit DeSantis and make sure he, you know, he ends up securing second place.
3: I, I just have to correct mm-hmm. Duncan on one thing. The high for the day is two degrees. Yeah, yeah, we're, sending yeah. we're sending smug. We're sending smug to Iowa for this. Are thing. you because really? I care That's so much? He's, he's, up be, he's up to date. I'm gonna be out there I'm in the negative 20. twenty. It's gonna be oh. negative twenty.
4: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And, and, That's and,
5: and we're going to brutal. be in the safety and comfort of the studio here on Monday night. And we're just going to bully <laughs> smug. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> for a
1: smug. For It's going to be exciting to be out there, though. I have to say, like, that is one thing I miss about working for the big cable channel, going out there like on the big nights and being in the midst of you're not really in the midst of the people you're sitting on a studio desk. But, you know, getting to go and meet the locals and sort of hear from them directly what's on their mind. We'll probably be doing more of that over the ne- over the coming year. But It's going to be cool. And I love watching American democracy and work, whatever they decide, you know, we'll live with it. We'll try to interpret it. We'll try to read the tea leaves, but they have a lot of power. These Iowa voters, all eyes are on them. Stand by, The guys stay with us. So much more to get to, including Jill Biden and how she's ashamed of what you people are doing to Hunter. Don't go away.
11: The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S scom Jill Biden <laughs> sat
1: down yeah, with,
6: yeah, his doctor. with
1: Mika Brzezinski, and it was a very hard-hitting. No, it, no, it wasn't. And uh, <laughs> Mika, in on the heels of Hunter, thumbing his middle finger at Congress yesterday morning. Right, he blew off the congressional subpoena, which we've been told by Jack Smith, it's very, very important to sc- comply with subpoenas. You could get criminally prosecuted by Jack Smith if you don't comply with the subpoena. He blew it off. And then when they were having the hearing on whether he should be held in criminal contempt and then refer this case to the Justice Department, he showed up out of nowhere. Hey, hi, how you doing? Here I am, Hunter. And then just got up and walked out when Marjorie Taylor Greene started speaking. And it was just a big middle finger to the entire process and really to the American people. So Mika mentions that incident and Hunter's hot, messy life to Dr. Jill. And here is what she said on SAT 20.
0: How have you been coping personally uh, with the onslaught of accusations against your husband and your family, including and especially Hunter? It's the focus of a House Oversight Committee hearing, holding him in contempt, obsessing yes. over him, showing pictures of him during vulnerable moments Horrible. in his battle with addiction on the floor of the house. This would crush any family. Mika, I, I think what they are doing to Hunter is cruel. And I'm really proud of um, how Hunter has rebuilt his life uh, after addiction. You know, I'm, I love my son, and it's, had, it's hurt my grandchildren. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm so concerned about, that it's affecting their lives as well.
3: It's cruel. It's cruel, Smug. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, when first off, she says during vulnerable moments, these (laughs) photos, you mean the photos he took himself with prostitutes doing crap? Is that that a vulnerable moment? Pretty vulnerable. And then when she tries to play the my grandchildren card, you mean like the grandchild that Hunter had with the stripper in Alabama that you guys aren't (laughs) let have the last name Biden? The one that you went to court so that they're not allowed to have the name of their father? (laughs) Real family, you know, family folks over here.
5: Also, they talk about him like it's some high school kid getting bullied. Total. He's 53 years <laughs> old, Megan. 53. It's it's, did,
6: did, you, did you happen to notice the people he was with? One of them was the producer of a documentary about him. In his <laughs> most oh, vulnerable Lord. moment, this poor guy brought in his Hollywood benefactor producer to make a show out of it so
5: they can make more money. Don't you think that's the whole thing? Like, that's the reason yep. why he showed up in the first right. place. It's like, it'll be great content for the documentary and then I'll storm out when when MTG gets up into the dais, for sure, right? Yep. It's like, 100%. this wasn't about he wanted to answer to the subpoena or he wants to comply with the process or wants to tell the truth. This was content. He was yep. making content mm-hmm. for a documentary.
4: Yeah, and, and well, he's an artist. And, <laughs> that's what, and who amongst us hasn't had uh, several crack rock bags and then decided to shake down Chinese governments and, and things like that, right? right? I mean, just it's cruel mistake. to
1: point it out, Holmes. It's cruel yeah. to ask him about it. I mean, it's, it's amazing. So like wild. Yesterday, not for nothing, but on the show, we had Dean Phillips, the Democrat who's trying to challenge Joe Biden for the nomination. And this is a Democrat centrist uh, candidate from Minnesota. And he... He was saying, I said, all right, let's, let's put it aside. He, he claimed he he doesn't, hasn't seen evidence that Joe was involved in any of Hunter's nefarious campaigns. Disagree, but I it was like, okay, fine. We only have limited time with the guy. I said, all right, let's table all the evidence that he has. Because we've had the whistleblowers on the show walking us through in great detail the evidence showing Joe knew and we had a role. But let's put table. And I said, in what world is it okay for the sitting vice president who's in charge of Ukraine policy to let his son sit on a, on a board of a corrupt company over in Ukraine? And he said, flat out it's not. It's not. It's totally wrong. It's it is corrupt and it shouldn't be shouldn't have been allowed under any circumstances. Now, that's a Democrat. How is it cruel to now ask Hunter about those relationships, to ask Joe Biden about to say this looks corrupt and it is a family business? She's a liar. I'm sorry, but she's a liar, just like her husband and her son.
4: Yes. Well, the one thing that Democrats like the Bidens have become so used to over the years is that they are surprised anybody has to ask any questions. Mm -hmm. It's like, wow, I I can't imagine that I actually have to defend anything because I, I don't usually. That's right. And the fact of the matter is, is they didn't for an awful long time. It wasn't until a House Republican majority actually did some investigation, which, by the way, they put out all the evidence and then it's summarily dismissed by the mainstream press. You like you will not read a single thing about this on the front page of the New York Times, the Washington Post or the Associated Press or anything. Like it just doesn't exist. If you wanna actually get the information, you gotta read a damn press release. Yeah. I mean, really from the government, from the from the committee, yeah, which is wild in contrast to where we were during the Trump years, where if Adam Schiff so much as whispered something, to the New York Times that was completely wrong without any evidence whatsoever. It was the front page of the New York Times and they won Pulitzer's for it. Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah. And somebody asked him a key question yesterday. They said, Mr. Biden, what kind of crack do you normally smoke? And I haven't yeah. heard an answer to that question yet.
3: <laughs> Dude, there are
6: people broken. who are actually wondering
1: if
3: there's someone. You know to be what?
1: Kind of... Mika could have asked that. She could have. Yeah. <laughs> <could've. She> <laughs> All right. No, that's a, a joke. In- But
8: but
1: she did not ask her any hard questions. And it's like, if you're going to sit there and tee it up for the first lady to say, this is cruel what they're doing to my son, then you better, if you actually consider yourself a journalist who criticizes other journalists, get ready for a couple of tough follow ups. Madam, let me walk you through why they're investigating him. And by the way, why do we have those nudie pics of Hunter? Because he (laughs) thought his unit was the most photographable, whatever was the word, photogenic <laughs> unit in the world. He couldn't get enough of his own disgusting, hairy body. That's the only reason we've seen it.
5: Megan, have you seen the footwork? <laughs> have you seen the footwork? There's footwork that is footwork. shit on
3: print. I, I mean, I think, you know, as, as funny as that is, that's actually a critical question to ask because it came from the laptop that that campaign told reporters is disinformation during a campaign. Right. The American people is disinformation. And now we know it to be true. Will they be willing to take responsibility for lying to the American people to win an election? Because that's right. what they did. Mm-hmm. So it, here's, we, here's we, how we, I'm going to tie it
1: together. Can go I ahead, Ashmore, real, and then I'll really tie it together.
6: quickly it. before you tie it together, I think we've just stumbled across the reason why Dr. Jill Biden talked to Mika Brzezinski and not Megyn Kelly. Yeah, there you
1: go. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right. I just feel it's, it's an egregious fall down on the job. Like, look, I get it. That's her side. She's very clearly voting for the Bidens. And that's okay. Journalists are allowed to vote in elections and have a preference. But when you're across from the other person as a journalist, fucking do your job. I'm sorry. (laughs) I I believe my record stands up on this. I do it. I I do it when I'm across from the person I know I'm going to vote for. Why? Because I want to be mean to that person because I, I don't want this person to like me. No, because it's my job.
5: Especially because Mika and Joe, as part of their show, very frequently are critics of the media and their coverage, yep. right? All right. And they, they've been critical of Joe Biden and the coverage of Joe Biden. And it's like, you finally have the opportunity to be a real journalist and you fall asleep on the job. Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So this brings me, this is where I tie it all together, Ashbrook, to Morning Joe's take on the Fox News town hall. They were horrified with Brett and Martha. Take a listen to this
10: i would call it softball a softball event i've never seen one as 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 fawning i'm not even sure what why did they have two hosts there you know they could have just had winding just sit there and smile and say you're great ask another softball question the fox news hosts who were just absolute jokes it was just an embarrassment. Like, Fox News, oh, we're going to be for DeSantis. Even DeSantis' people were like, seriously? This is a paid advertisement for Donald Trump, which it was.
1: Oh, <laughs> my God. Yeah. All right, look. Was there a quote-unquote news team in the entire business that did more to see President Trump elected than those two? Was there a more God. obsequious... Fawning pair in media than Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski in 2015 when it came to the Republican race. They licked Trump's boots every morning. I watched. They loved the taste of the bottom of his shoes. They couldn't get enough of it. This woman who embarrassed herself with the first lady has the nerve to sit on that set and rip on Fox News. For a fine town hall. It wasn't excoriating. It was fine. Has she has the nerve after we just pulled some of her highlights? Believe me, we'd be here all day if we pulled Joe's. Look at (laughs) here's just a little sample of her back in 2015.
7: She's rubbing his hair. Rubbing Trump's hair.
1: Rubbing. Smiling, did you get a lot of sleep last night? Well, I yeah, uh, well, I got woken up, but I, I, was I mean, well, what you know, happened? just well, I, uh, Donald wanted me to see the CPAC speech. I was skeptical, but I pulled it up on the internet.
9: Yeah, it was pretty good, pretty good. Mika, what do you mean, pretty good? You know, you loved it.
1: <laughs> wow, <laughs> Trump, you're naughty. They're hugging, they're kissing.
5: Just
1: I, her. Yeah. Spare oh. me. Spare me I your indignation, people.
5: I, I love this, Megan, as you were sort of winding up to that that clip. I was ready to call out that clip. It's an absolute mind melt. I've watched that like 15 times. It's so funny. We'll put that together.
1: Could, we gotta give credit. I, I can't
5: I can't remember, but you we'll can find it on YouTube. It's uh it's almost like you're they just let them call in, right? Yeah. And it's like you're talking to your boyfriend. And you know you're sort of spinning the cord of the of the phone, you know, <laughs> like
8: laying,
5: laying on your stomach on your bed late at night talking to your boyfriend. I mean, that's really what it's like, Megan. It's it's totally you, you nailed it when you said it's obsequious. Like that's what it was, and people forget that. And
3: also, I, I, that is a critical thing: is for the entire cycle, they had an open <laughs> airway, open channel. Anytime Trump wanted to call in. Mm-hmm. He got through yeah. no matter what was on his mind, no matter yes. what news was happening. They're like, oh, Trump called in, patch him through immediately. And like the I, I, there was a calculation, I remember, of the amount of airtime that he got on Morning Joe was more than other candidates, Super PACs had in their entire budget on yes. ads. So and like by when phone and that not just them,
1: it, on NBC proper, too, on NBC, but they took <laughs> phoners from a presidential candidate who very clearly could have been sitting there. Now we know he was actually reading notes to pro- it was like the whole. So it's fine. It happened. Whatever. He went out to become. But spare me. You are not in a position to be criticizing any anchors when it comes to interviews of President Trump. Take a seat. You. <laughs> this. All right, I'm going to get back to the media in, in a couple of seconds, but I don't want to get off of Dr. Jill because there's a couple more things that were interesting what she said. So first, she's got thoughts on on the president's vigor that you, you might find interesting. Take a listen to SOT19. Your husband is 81. At the end
0: of a second term, he'd be 86. As his life partner of 46 years, is there a part of you that is worried about his age and health? Can he do it? He can do it. And I see Joe every day. I see him out, you know, traveling around this country. I see his vigor. I see his energy. I see his passion.
6: <laughs> yeah, he's he's got so much vigor. That's why Dr. Jill's doing the interviews. <laughs> Fred,
1: didn't we just see her guiding him off the stage on Friday or Saturday? Didn't we, like, literally a couple days ago, see her once again have to get him off stage?
3: He's got too much vigor to know where he's going. She so channel it. Bigger. I, you know, that's I got to tell you,
4: the thing that offends me the most about this entire thing is. Like all the media that sort of protects this line of argument and the Bidens themselves who project this argument onto the American people, they act as though nobody's ever had a grandparent. Or a parent. like it's not a part of a normal life to see what it looks like at the end of a life. Right. Like we're this is a new thing where we've never encountered somebody taking short steps who doesn't know where they are, who wanders I mean, around, a stage, who loses their place when they're talking like this is all a new dynamic that m- most Americans have never encountered before. Evidently. Right? Let me explain <laughs> it to me.
1: It doesn't mean it any anything close to what you think it means.
8: <laughs> like
4: just if there's one thing that we're all personal experts on, it is exactly what we're watching right now. I mean, you don't need to be a med- like i don't need a medical degree to know what it looks like when Nana and Pop Pop are going down, yeah. and like that's <laughs> what we're looking at.
3: And, gotcha. and like every time the guy boards Air Force One, the American people have to hold their breath and be like, "I hope he doesn't slip and fall," right? Because okay. he's had a fall on those stairs like five times at this point. He's fallen off a bike. You know, if she were a real doctor, she'd advise him to stop doing this. Like, but
6: he's got to go home. Even, Call it a day. Even the Republicans don't want him to slip and fall. It's like the Chinese that's are watching this. We, we, know, don't, we don't want you to fall. We don't right. want a president to fall.
5: Yeah. Oh. I've
1: got a great well, idea. For, you exit. Exit.
5: I, I, I have a great idea for a general election door hanger for <laughs> Donald Trump or whoever's the Republican nominee. And it's a door hanger that's based on the pamphlet, A Place for Mom. <laughs> i thought you were gonna say
4: silver alert but the same <laughs>
5: <colors>. <laughs> so
1: here she is wait they pulled a video just so you can see it this is her the other day when he gave his big speech look he's wandering here she is she had to go out on the stage you can see him look at him look at him he had, he, he yeah. really i mean forgive me but he really looks like a recovering sort of stroke or coma victim like yep. get me off the stage i i can't do it on my own She had to go out there. He was kind of wandering before she even got there. And by the way, her vigorous husband, the man full of vigor, in the past 19 days, he's held two, count them, two public events. December 23rd, left for vacation at Camp David. That's where he was for the next few days. Returned on the 26th. Very next day, left for vacation in the U.S. Virgin Islands. 28th, Mm. 29th. I mean, we could keep going. That's her vigorous, vigorous husband who, look, I, I took two weeks off. Not the president. And we know for a fact he wasn't talking to the secretary of defense for four, five days because he was off getting some secret prostate situation taken care of that even the president didn't know about. So it's like spare me on the vigor. Nobody believes it. All right. So that's Dr. Jill and the vigorous president to whom she's married. But back in the subject of the media, let me meander back there for a minute. So our old pal Don Lemon has Mm. resurfaced or is about to resurface. resurface. And I realize that the magnanimous move is to say, good for Don, he got canceled off of CNN, and now he's reinventing himself on Twitter. Well, that's not what I say. I think he's disgusting. He hates America. He hates Republicans. And I'm not looking forward to his voice reemerging other than to mock it, which I 100% plan to do. That's the only silver lining for me. Uh, So but this is so he's going out on X. All right. It's like, oh, great. Tucker did it on X. And Tucker and I got fired on the same day. So I'll go out on X. And Don Lemon comes out with a post on X saying it starts as follows. I've heard you. And today I'm back. Bigger, bolder, freer. I- I've heard you. Like the-, the masses are clamoring. Where's Don?
3: What do we need? You've been out for Don. Don-, Don- Come-, bigger, Come back bolder, into my life, freer?
1: Don. Um, take
3: some off so of he- Bill O'Reilly.
8: <laughs> <laughs> so-, so here's,
1: honestly, and, and like, there are people welcoming Don back to the national conversation. And for those people and others, I just have a little reminder for you of who Don Lemon is and why we can't stand him. There you go.
7: Donald Trump couldn't find Ukraine on a map if you had the letter U and a picture of an actual physical crane <laughs> next to it. He knows that this is, you know, an, an administration defined by ignorance of the world. Yes. The people who aided and abetted Trump are stupid. have lived in several red states. There are a lot of friends who I had to really get rid of. credulous like, boomer rube demo that backs Donald Trump um, that, that wants to think that, <laughs> that, that Donald Trump's a smart one and they're y'all, y'all, y'all elitists are dumb. <laughs> they're taking down the statues and crime is it. rising crime is as is rising. they police. Oh my gosh, it's so bad. You voted for Trump. You voted for the person who the Klan supported you voted for the person who Nazis support.
4: You us with your geography and your maps and your spelling,
7: even though my your math ma- and your reading. If you're not gonna get vaccinated, you don't want to social distance, you don't want to wear a mask, then maybe you don't want to go to the hospital when you get sick. We have to stop demonizing people and realize the biggest terror threat in this country is white men. Your geography, <laughs> no in other countries. Sipping your <laughs> latte. All those lines on the map. Uh, <laughs> only they may lead us know where Ukraine is. I think we have to stop coddling people when it comes to this and the vaccine, saying, oh, you can't shame them. You can't call them stupid. You can't call them silly. Yes, they are. The people who are not getting vaccines, who are believing the lies on the Internet instead of science, it's time to start shaming them. What else? Or leave them behind. Oh, <laughs> That was good. Sorry, Rick. Yep, yep. That was a good one. I needed that.
4: Oh, geez. How painful.
7: <laughs> what I
5: love about Megan is like, say? she she always has the receipts. And I remember when he was fired, we did the show. And you had all of this and it's like you've got this memory of an elephant where you can just put it together again and you don't forget. And that's what I love is because there's so many people in in media that like don't have a memory about all this and think they can reinvent themselves. But no, we remember. I mean, this guy, not only all of the clips that you showed, which are obviously like horrifying stuff, but like, you know, there was there was like. He was texting uh, co-workers, threatening things. And like, he was oh, yes. doing all sorts like of- Like burner phones,
3: like yeah. psychotic shit. But yeah. also, also right. little,
6: little things Kira too. Did I, Megan, did I ever tell you my Don Lemon story? Maybe, did I tell you guys this story? I don't think so. I was, I was at a reception, widely, widely attended reception. And I was standing in line for a drink. And I waited a long time for, for my drink. And Don Lemon comes up and jumps in front of me. And and he's like, excuse me, I need to catch an airplane. And I was like, oh, OK, well, important, famous person. You got to catch an airplane. Fine. Sure. Go ahead. Forty five minutes later, I'm in a conversation with somebody and he's there getting another drink.
10: Oh my
3: gosh! <laughs> so he just lied so that he could jump in front of the line. So and- I, I didn't think he was that bad until now. <laughs> <laughs> he's jumping people of in line course. for drinks. Just random. <laughs> That's random people. people. <laughs> oh, well, hey, tens I, of people.
8: Like, I'm sorry. I, what was is, he canceled for? Two
1: minutes. He was off off the air for two minutes, and now like and now and people are like, oh, maybe he's seen the light. You know, maybe he's going to come back more fair and balanced. Oh, sure, sure, Jan. I mean, bullshit. He's not. In fact, hold on, stand by. I've got it on my. she has got more. Jan.
8: Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> There's, it's, he's Excellent. shown us who he is. Believe him. This is not someone who I'm rooting for. I'm not I'm not saying he should never be allowed to speak again. I'm just saying I don't have to personally cheerlead it or think it's a good thing or recognize that this is like some sort of important voice in the conversation and yay for Elon for making it possible for him to come back. He's a prick and he fucking hates Republicans. (laughs) Hates. It really to me, it, it bothers me because I'll tell you, it's like He's so, those clips are so perfect and credit to Debbie Murphy, Canadian Debbie put that together when, when he got booted because it shows that it's not just a partisan thing. where are like, Jesse Kelly will come on this show and he'll talk about the communists on the far left. Like the, the communists want this and the communists want that. And it's funny. You know what I mean? But I'm telling you he, that Jesse Kelly's not a hateful dude. I guarantee you he's got liberal and Democrat friends. Don Lemon truly hates the right half of the country hates and would love to see almost all of them canceled who voted for Trump. So no, I'm not rooting for him in any way, shape, or form.
3: I mean, in that clip, multiple times he was essentially wishing death upon people who disagree with him. Yeah. He was like, they don't get to go yeah. to the hospital. And he said the biggest threat to America is white people. yeah Like this is insane stuff. Like <laughs> 20 years ago, these are like terror threats. You know, like what is happening?
1: Speaking of terror oh. threats, that brings me to Medi Hassan. <laughs> so, uh, uh, many yeah. <laughs> Hassan, he has no problem with the terror threats that are coming from right. Hamas or the actual terror unleashed by Hamas, or at least so it would seem from much of his coverage over on the, over there on MSNBC. And believe it or not, they finally fired his ass. I, I'm I'm amazed. There must be enough like liberals or Democrats who are not woke watching MSNBC that they complained about his egregious coverage, he, um, I don't know, do we have the sound bait where he announces he's leaving? I don't think we have that one. He, he announced the other day he's leaving. Uh, and like, he's, ex, he's excited for what's next. They always say that. Mm, okay. There's nothing next. And maybe he's going to Al Jazeera. And um, in part, we believe this is why he got the boot. Here's SOP
10: 40. Biden and a lot of people in America may see Ukraine and Israel as the same. A lot of people around the world see Russia and Israel the same. Israel is the occupier of the West Bank and Gaza. I'm wondering what your take is about separating out all of this noise, sort of the ground noise with the signal, which is what Donald Trump now faces. I genuinely think we need to start having a discussion about whether this guy is a flight risk. If the election deniers on the right win in 2022, in November next month, to me, Democracy looks like it's over in America. Fascism is here to stay. Woke is Lovely. often used by conservatives as a way to complain about black people and black activism.
1: Bye. Don't uh, let the door hit you.
4: Well, you know, Megan, something really interesting happened to the progressive left after Hamas's horrible attack on Israel, where it sort of separated the wheat from the chef. And I think yep. a lot in this like, quote unquote woke, like, very progressive left, have been saying a lot of these same things over a long period of time that just hadn't gotten much attention basically because they're only speaking to themselves. Mm-hmm. And then the subsequent debate that happened after that attack and the, the rush to defend Hamas by people like this cat made normal progressive, like, you know, center left Democrats all of a sudden very uncomfortable, as if they didn't know what was happening under their midst. And it's not just happening on TV, like this is happening everywhere in media, but it's also look, it's happening in higher education for the first time in 40 years. Somebody's taking a look under the hood and being like, wow, they're super anti-Semitic. That's incredible. And all of this is relatively new, but it's not new to them. Mm-hmm. Like these guys, this is this is a well worn, ideological, mainstream view of the progressive left that this guy just happens to say, but now it's under a little different lens than it used to be. And I'm not surprised he's on the way out the door.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think that's uh, dead on point is for so long, we've seen for at least the past 20 years, you know, this kind of like ultra left progressivism, which has taken over the party. The beating heart of it is this extreme activist left. And they've gotten away with, you know, after George Floyd, there was a summer of riots. And that was like, oh, well, you know, the riots are the voice of the unheard is is what we were being told. And all this behavior was excused for so long and became part of left wing orthodoxy where they're like, oh, well, you know, uh, white people are terrorists. And 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 the worst thing in America is the white man. And, and everything was framed through the lens of there's uh, colonialism. And then there's the people who suffer under colonialism, pitting essentially everyone against each other. And when the American people saw these horrors of Hamas themselves filming, butchering women, children, entire families, anyone with an ounce of humanity was able to see the moral clarity of that moment, except for those ultra left wing individuals who have had such sway in that party for so long and felt free to come out and march on the streets saying that they support Hamas, who felt free to rip off photos of kids who had been kidnapped uh, from walls they thought they were okay that they'd been part of this movement which has enabled all this behavior and that they'd be fine with it and then for people like uh you know uh, hassan who are on a major network they realize that actually there's a lot of people who realize that that's completely nuts and he paid the price for it and rightfully so
6: yeah yeah there are a lot okay. of people who are who just think that the Declaration of Independence specifically states we don't need to be lectured by a British accent. <laughs> and they're just ready to move on from this. It's been quite a yeah. while.
1: So it's just well said. So I will say the October 7th attack has been clarifying in so many ways, so many ways, and chief among them what you just said. But some on the left have distinguished themselves in surprising ways. And that brings me to John Fetterman. Mm-hmm. It's been remarkable. I mean, I've seen some Babylon B posts on him, like man reco- recovers brain function and realizes he's a conservative. <laughs> like, it's <laughs> like as he's getting better. And I, you have to you have to say he, he seems to be getting better. Like his sentences are coming out more smoothly. His words are making more sense. I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but he's just when you listen to him, he's making more sense. Well, both both actually and in his politics. Um, and he's been one of the most fierce defenders of Israel. This clip is making a lot of the rounds, and, and, that, and that's brave in his party. That's brave. Um, this clip is making the rounds because he was at this event the other day, and uh, South Africa of all nations is going after Israel for its human rights violations, accusing Israel of a gen- South Africa, <laughs> accusing Israel of a, of a genocide. And take a listen to John Fetterman.
7: Who are we, who are they really fighting? it's a group of cowards they hide in tunnels they hide behind civilians they attack kill and mutilate children women and they do that stop talking about proportion on that they shot their best shot on october 7th and they would have taken more lives if they couldn't do that but they couldn't do it and now let's also talk about that now we're talking about genocide and now South Africa now is now bringing that kind of a, a trial. Maybe South Africa being able to sit this one out when they're talking about criticizing. Sit it out.
1: Amazing, I mean, guys. Um, what do you think? Amazing.
4: Amazing. Well, and hats off for Mitch McConnell replacing John Fetterman with a fat Tom Cotton. <laughs> because uh, <laughs> that's, that's it's, not, it's not just the Israel thing. I mean, he's been going after Bob Menendez. Yeah. You know, right. there's like there's three or four other things that it's like he really did all of a sudden completely change everyone's narrative about his ability to sort of cognitively think things. And then all of a sudden now he's outspoken. He's completing sentences. And he's like, I don't know pretty conservative
3: <laughs> I, I saw these i saw these interesting theories online of like the last time we heard from his wife was when she was like taking the kids and fleeing to canada like yeah. has she come back maybe is she, was she like kind of like puppeteering this guy and then he's like well she's not here so i guess i can say actually normal stuff i don't have to say crazy I'm shit. am back yeah. and this is how i actually feel we
1: saw i saw in a uh, poll the other day it was like he has something like a 71, 73% approval rating in Pennsylvania right now. And this stuff wow. is definitely related because Pennsylvania is not deep blue. It's not.
4: Right, right. No, and it's it's entirely changed the perception of not only how he was post-stroke, but how he was before all that. I mean, he was a pretty progressive leftist local leader for a long time. And then all it's of a sudden- It's gotta now still doesn't... be
1: in there. I, like It's gotta maybe be in there. It's not... still in there.
3: I mean I have a question for for Holmes I generally don't know this how has he been voting in the Senate. Is he still just like as left wing as ever, or is he starting to swing over like a cinema or something like
4: no, that? No. I mean, look, it, they haven't had a lot of opportunity. I mean, basically everything is team ball it Does they're voting in nominations because they're not doing anything else. And so everything is sort of Republican and Democrat. So it hasn't really changed that so much. It's mostly rhetorical, but you're that's the point, right? I mean, ultimately with all of these Democrats, they like everybody to believe that they're sort of centrists and they are thoughtful about things, but their voting behavior doesn't. That's the one thing to watch with Fetterman, like yeah. if he actually mm-hmm. crosses the line and Starts behaving like a Joe Manchin or a Kirsten Cinema, then I'm going to start being a believer. Well, it, it's that, and also maybe putting on a suit.
5: You know, it would be you'll nice. know, yeah. you'll you'll know he's fully made the transition if he gets into a suit.
4: <laughs> he shows we up. Really like, like, like to, to see. that
5: but Maybe we could do like tax reform.
4: You know? <laughs>
1: If he's (laughs) he's taking on the
5: terrorist, if he's taking
6: on the terrorist, I don't care what he wears. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nice on the
1: Senate, on the Senate floor. Still need to be in a suit. Sorry. Old old school. Stand by uh, much, much more. I have so many other fun things to get to with you guys. Like two of my favorite clips of the day are coming up in our next segment. The guys from Ruthless. Stay with us. I'm Megan Kelly, host of the Megan Kelly Show on SiriusXM. It's your home for open, honest, and provocative conversations with the most interesting and important political, legal, and cultural figures today. You can catch the Megan Kelly Show on Triumph, a SiriusXM channel featuring lots of hosts you may know and probably love, great people like Dr. Laura. I'm back. Nancy Grace, Dave Ramsey, and yours truly, Megan Kelly. You can stream The Megan Kelly Show on SiriusXM at home or anywhere you are. No car required. I do it all the time. I love the SiriusXM app. It has ad-free music coverage of every major sport, comedy talk, podcast, and more. Subscribe now. Get your first three months for free.
11: Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. That's SiriusXM.com mkshow and get three months free offer. Details apply. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So, set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.
0: Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S All
1: All right, guys, I don't know how I'm going to stitch these remaining items together, so we're just going to bang them out. I'm not going to pretend there's a thread. This is a lot of good stuff. Um, first of all, the our, our betters on Capitol Hill seem to have a very difficult time as of late making the case that Trump incited
4: an insurrection. Take a listen. <laughs> Let's talk about the fact that President Trump incited an erection.
7: Uh, and and <laughs> they believe Donald John Donald John Trump incited the erection insurrection uh, into inciting an erection uh, insurrection, which he did.
5: <laughs> oh geez just some horny bad <laughs> this this segment, this segment brought to you by bluetooth
4: <laughs> i mean people have accused that on top of absolutely everything but that might be a new one
1: <laughs> i can't get enough of it it's like my favorite thing it's so it, it keeps happening in that. Jayapal's the la- the latest to do it. And hers was great, too. She knew it as soon as she was.
4: <laughs> <laughs> What's on these people's minds, right? I mean, good Lord.
1: Get, get out of the gutter. Maybe they had just <laughs> seen the Hunter Biden photos being held up. Oh, by <laughs> <laughs> oh I tied it. I it. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> all right. Going back, we talked earlier about you know identity politics infecting people's views on things like Israel. And the ones you know, silver lining is people are starting to see the light on the nonsense that is DEI and identity politics and dividing us on race and all the other stuff. Well, um, they didn't get the memo apparently over at. Uh, hold on, where exactly is this? Okay, at the All Souls. Choir, Unitarian Church in Washington, D.C. Now, this made the rounds because the Babylon Bee tweeted it out saying, we give up. We can do no better than this. I watched this thing. It was from two years ago. It's from 21. I watched this thinking, this has got to be parody. 100%. This is a joke. The Babylon, 2022. The Babylon Bee must have been fooled. And as it turns out, it's 100% real. The lyrics... Were written, according to the screen, by Ida Bay Wells, who is the one behind the 1619 project. Yeah, Nicole Hannah Jones. She goes by Ida Bay Wells. Um, And just watch and listen to these lunatics.
8: (laughs) Ha! <laughs>
3: I mean, you know, I think that's extremely telling because this is their religion now. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think, and demanding absolute orthodoxy into believing in this on its face. Completely absurd nonsense is their religion. That's supposed to be a house of God. I
5: I just I didn't think you could outdo. We wish you a Mueller Christmas, (laughs) (laughs) but they've got it. (laughs) They've got it. You got to
4: strap. They
1: all have masks on, of course, in twenty twenty two. (laughs)
4: <laughs> strap on the mask and give it hell and you know what i loved it in the bottom the cello mm-hmm. yeah you know it's like hey what do we got and it's like how do you put a tune together we gotta get it we got sopranos, out let's just get, let's niche this thing together huh i like gravitas space.
6: Yeah, they they engaged a different group at the crescendo. It was like it was a it was arranged like it was a hymn, like in in the the fervor. They're like they're singing the battle hymn of the republic, yeah. but something right. made up like a lunatic writing something on a blog in Washington D.C. <laughs> It yeah, required head
1: head. practice. Yeah, it clearly head. required hours and hours of practice. <laughs> and I lo- my favorite is our rights depend on whether we have the time to stand in line for hours to vote. Like
5: oh, it's, it's not that- even lyrical. It's not even lyrical. It's like they just bitch like they just chopped up an op-ed and they're like, this is now lyrical a song. Not <laughs> not not lyrical, Michael,
6: but it was arranged. It was arranged. Yes. He was absolutely like, and now the cello. <laughs>
1: and now the soprano. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> it's insanity. You guys need to do a ruthless program version of this with a response. <laughs> oh, you're
3: right. Mm-hmm. When you do right. your singing, that's challenge it's accepted. Gold.
8: Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not, okay, okay
3: how oh, good. By Duncan, like these songs, it's not music, it doesn't rhyme. It's right. just like the orthodoxy being repeated. Oh, they right. That, like, and like right. the same way that like, their late night comedy shows don't have jokes anymore. They just say their lines and then the audience claps. It's yeah. like, it, it's really bizarre.
6: Fellas, uh, yeah. I don't think <laughs> no. we're gonna execute the ruthless version of this without a female lead solo.
3: Oh yeah, <laughs> there you go. I'd like to. Uh, I'd I'm like in. to ask at this
4: time whether or not Megan, you'd like to join us for this production.
1: I mean, <laughs> I I accept your challenge.
4: I'm
1: not a very good singer, but neither are any of you. So we're,
4: we're good. <laughs>
5: Never stopped us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Never. No, that's what we
5: love about you. Okay, so
1: it kind of reminded me this is a stretch, but I'll go there kind of reminded me of what we saw out in San Francisco um, where their board of supervisors voted eight to three in support of a resolution urging a ceasefire, which is, of course, it's like, you know, we've been over this a million times. There was a ceasefire on October 6th. Tell it to Hamas. Israel Mm -hmm. is making sure that there can't be another October 7th right now. But take a look at what happened in San Fran in SOT 33. Oh. It's the same oh. group of people, but on the I mean, West Coast. They're all masked. It's 2024. Well, Everyone they're not has all- a mask on.
6: Megan, they're not all masked. I don't know if you noticed toward the beginning of that clip, there's a woman with a KN95 mask holding a baby. The baby was unmasked. (laughs) And so my question is, if if it's so bad that you're wearing the KN95 super suction, but the kid doesn't have anything? Just frankly, it's called Child
1: Protective Services. Child (laughs) Protective Services (laughs) ought to be called on her. Look at these lunatics, you guys. Look at these people. This is what we're up against. These people and the singing choir people in DC, like, I don't even, I, I don't, I don't know how, how are we going to talk to them? How are we going to get them out of the cycle?
6: To quote John Lovitz, I can't believe we're losing to these people.
4: <laughs> <laughs> but, like, what do you think Hamas would do in that room? Right. right. I mean, that's the thing oh. that always gets me so much is they're like, oh, free Palestine, you know, the Hamas is right. Here's my, here's my full Palestinian head, uh, right? Okay. You roll in there with the pink hair with your girlfriend and, and you talk to Hamas, and we'll see how that works out because I guarantee how, you they're have a very different perspective.
1: Exactly right. See how that goes. Well, meanwhile, these people sadly have access to our children. Um, there was a story that popped up the other day where, um, forgive me, I'm forgetting the exact state. Oh, my team will remind me, but the fourth graders went to school one day. And had a teacher that was a man, and the next day came back in and said, "Teacher was now allegedly a woman." Come on, fourth graders. Okay, hold on. I have the I have it in front of me. Very young. Yeah, it was in Washington. Um, here it is. Yeah, from it's lives of TikTok tick- tweeted it out, but it's Mar Vista Elementary Springs uh, School out in Washington State. Uh, Miss Snyder's fourth graders had quite a surprise when Miss Angela transitioned to Mr. Angel. Fourth grade. Oh. I have fourth grader. He's 10. They're all 9 and 10 years old. It's a very tender age. And then they thought it would be a good idea to show the children um, this nana. I don't know. What... Who is this nana somebody reading the book, It Feels Good to Be Yourself, which is about a five-year-old boy who believes he is a girl using terms like non binary, transgender, cisgender, intersex, gender identity, gender expression, sex assigned at birth, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, all explained. And here's just a little bit of Nana, Nanny Fee. Is that her name? Nanny? Watch it. What a baby's body
0: looks like when they're born can be a clue to what the baby's gender will be, but not always. When people guess wrong, it's okay to let them know. Ruthie was five when she told her parents I know you think I'm a boy but really I feel like a girl oops Ruthie was a girl all along
8: they just didn't know
0: it at first you might feel like a boy you might feel like a girl you might feel like both boy and girl or like neither okay
1: Nana Cece is a little confused Mm. herself
3: oh it's just, you know, it, it, this is criminal behavior. It's child abuse. These people have very deep issues, mental health issues that need to be taken care of. And they are forcing kids to be a part of them acting out on these impulses and these issues. And these kids didn't ask for this. And and if you think a child being subjected to this kind of confusing nonsense at that age can't impact them. I had a friend who pulled their kids out of a school in San Francisco. Because what happened is that one child showed up, this is two years ago, one child showed up and said to the other kids that they identify as transgender. I believe this is in second grade. A week later, 10 kids said that they identified as transgender. The following week, there were 50 kids in a single grade who identified as transgender, which is something like 14 standard deviations out of, of the, the, the public at large, which identifies it. Which says that these kids don't know what this means, but they're being lectured to it by these deranged individuals. These are impressionable kids. Teach them math. Teach them how to read. Have them go to recess. This is just... It's horrific that children are being subjected to this stuff. It's disgusting. It's its mm-hmm. totally crazy. It's totally... I will say that
4: as a 10-year-old, uh, if me and my buddies uh, when, when I was 10 had... Uh, mrs Robinson show up as mr robertson yeah and then they read that look like detention's coming yeah because there's no way <laughs> there's no way we would have been able to keep a straight face during that mess <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> it's so inappropriate that the, the here's a, here's a picture of nana cc just take a look you might find it this... Ew, nana cc oh, she would... she's the one not reading the messages Check oh, out the, gla- the glasses don't match either. There's one circle and one square in her eye. In any event, oh, this is like, she's just the one who read the book, but this book is being unleashed on not just this fourth grade, grade class. This is one of those books that they're sort of trying to use to, to make the kids more inclusive. You're really just trying to confuse them. What fourth grader needs to know the term cisgender? I agree with Elon Musk that that's a slur. I, I don't want to be referred to as a cis woman. I'm a woman. There's only one kind of woman. We don't need any preludes to woman. There's no such thing as a trans woman. There's only a woman. And then there are men pretending to be women. That's it.
4: That's it. That's it. And I think, look, I think the vast majority of America is not interested in entertaining insanity on this issue any longer. Like, I think they've, they've had their moment of these little liberal strongholds across the country, being able to you know, completely pervert the minds of innocent children, but not, it, people are onto them, you know, thanks to Chris Rufo and others. I mean, this stuff is popping up and it's getting put down pretty quickly.
5: Yeah. I
4: mean,
5: in the reading of that book, you get a <laughs> clear sense. This person isn't entirely mentally sound.
1: <laughs> it, may, it may not be objective on the subject. Yeah. How about Ohio? She'd she'd How about the, the Ohio legislature overriding Mike DeWine's veto of the legislation that would ban those surgical procedures on minors. And they, in Ohio, God bless those lawmakers who said, we're overruling you. We are implementing that ban. That whole thing has been great because he, tri- he tried to reject it. And then as soon as it became clear he was going to lose that fight, he tried to issue an executive order showing like he was actually on people's side in any event. The voters had their say. You guys have been amazing today. You did Full hours—it's a lot to ask of the ruthless program, fellas. I appreciate it. We love it. It.
4: Thank we you love so much. Thank you, Megan.
6: You're the best. Always right. the best.
1: Call me when we're doing our our performance. I'm ready. I'm no, okay. gonna have lyrics.
8: Dressed we're gonna have in my mask.
1: We have to make sure we're wearing <laughs> masks that read "vote, vote." <laughs> okay. See you soon. Uh, okay. Don't forget. I want to tell our audience who's still listening. Tomorrow we are coming back with Jason Whitlock, who is like the focus of the internet. We'll explain why when he comes on tomorrow. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear.
2: Escape to Ocean City, Maryland, and discover a place that just feels lighter, where every day feels like Saturday and french fries are a food group, where flip-flops are always in fashion and seafood is always in season, where the boardwalk is bustling and the beach is right outside your door where you can rise with the tide and feel like a kid again. Ocean City, Maryland, somewhere to smile about. Book your trip at Oceocean.com.
0: Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Bettys.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot